Um, so we are, we're into our second week of talking about the, these outward prayers, right? We did inward, we did upward, now we're doing outward prayers, this ministry of prayer. And, and we've finally found ourselves at the sermon where I will personally be the most uncomfortable. Um, so I know that you, I've asked you to be uncomfortable with things as a church so far, uh, you know, like making you sit in circles and pray for each other or share stories and these sorts of things and or even sitting in silence. Um, I know that I've asked a lot of you and that you've, you've met me there. So today is going to be the week that I get to be uncomfortable and maybe you too, probably you too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I want to ask actually, because I'm feeling a little anxious, I want to ask for your grace and for your prayers before we begin. So I don't know if you remember, but I, I did this on the very first week of the series. Um, I asked you as the church to take some time and to pray for me as we entered into, entered into God's word. Um, because here's what I truly believe. I need your prayers as my church. I think we all are in, in desperate need of prayer. So we're going to take a moment together, and I'm going to invite you to pray for me as we dive into a difficult and sometimes confusing topic. And if you can help me to be wise, if you can pray for God to help me to be wise and discerning as I share, uh, help me to walk in surrender and to be a follower of Jesus to the best of my ability. Can you pray that for me? Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'm going to give you, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you an uncomfortable moment. <laughs> we're all going to be quiet. You all can pray for me for a moment, and then I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll dive into to this uh, discomfort together, all right? <laughs> so, please. Lord Jesus, we need you. So come and be with us. God, soften our hearts to your voice. Soften our, our senses, sensitize them to your presence. God, as we go to your word, speak. Let us hear. And empower us to respond. In your name. So we're going to see if you can guess what the topic for our prayer, for our, for our, our prayer topic is for the day, a type of prayer. I'll give you some hints. Um, the first hint, depending on how you cut it, upwards of 25% of the stories in the, gospel are about, in the Gospels are about this. Upwards of a quarter, depending on how you divide it up. Um, this type of prayer and its fruit are actually an important part of the story of this church being planted way back when. Uh, this is one of the most common types of prayer requests that people bring. Do you have any guesses? Anyone idea what we might be talking about? Health? Healing. Yeah? That's right. Healing prayer. This is what we are talking about today. Prayers for healing. Somewhere between 20 and 25% of the gospel is stories of Jesus healing people. Not to mention all of the stories that you find in Acts and elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, so you can bet I had a bit of a time trying to find a single scripture passage for us to focus on today. <laughs> and actually ended up narrowing it down to two healing stories uh, and seeing what we learned from them. But there is so much to talk about here. Uh, now, if, 
you're looking, if you're kind of scratching your head at some of those clues I had earlier with regards to healing prayer being a part of the story of our church, B.T. Goff is the name of the gentleman who planted this church, the Gospel Workers Church, before we were even a free method, before Free Methodist Church in Canada existed. Uh, B.T. Goff planted this church and a number of other churches in the area, actually. And the history, I've got a book of the history of this church up in my office. If you're ever interested, you can come and look at it. It's quite neat. Um, and in the book, this is what it says uh, about the story of Goff coming, to, coming here to plant this church. It says, God gave him, this is B.T. Goff, a definite call to ministry. He healed his eyes, which had been almost blinded due to dust from his work. Uh, God also provided care for his aged and ailing mother. This is our heritage. This church would likely be very different, or it may not even be here, had it not been for a miraculous healing that happened in the life of B.T. Goff all those years ago. And of course, this is a story that continues to unfold. Right? Because of the frequency of stories of healing in the Bible, as well as the frequency with which people experience physical ailments, it's not uncommon that people come and they ask for prayers of healing. And of course, we oblige. We are often praying for the physical needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ in this way. And we should. Uh, it seems clear to me that this is actually just a part of our lives as Christians. But sometimes there can be disagreements on how we should ask for healing. Maybe you've encountered this. Uh, some people believe that we should just boldly ask God to intervene in dramatic fashion being, uh, and, and bring like total miraculous healing in an instant. And other people go, whoa, hold on. You know, maybe we should be praying that God would just help you know, work through the medical systems that are already in place. Like maybe we should be praying for the doctors when someone goes into a surgery and be praying for God to intervene there to, you know, give them the, the focus and the attention that they need to be able to perform. The, and, and God's going to bring healing in that way, right? And then other people would say, well, maybe we should just pray that God's will be done. Like we don't know what that is. And so rather than saying, God, do this thing or do this thing, we should say, God, would you just bring your will here? And there are even circumstances where we don't pray for healing. We actually pray, um, you know, that, that there would be a peaceful end to someone's suffering as they're reaching the end of their life and that the Lord would call them home. And I'll be honest, I've, I've prayed all of these prayers. <laughs> and I actually think all of them can be appropriate in appropriate times. And this isn't just a, a me thing. I don't think that, it's not just me that thinks, oh, actually all of those are good. This is actually in keeping with our denomination's official statement on healing. And if you don't know, uh, I'll just read to you from the official Free Methodist State, uh, Church in Canada statement. They say, and I really like this and how it's worded, they say, all healing, all healing, whether of body, mind, or spirit, has its ultimate source in God, who is above all and through all and in all. That's Ephesians 4, 6. And then they say, God may heal, by the mediation of surgery. God may heal through medication, through change of environment, through counseling, through corrected attitudes, or through the restorative processes of nature itself. God may heal through one or more of the above in combination with prayer, or God may heal by direct intervention in response to prayer. And they say the scripture reports many cases of the latter kind of healing in connection with the life and ministry of Jesus, the apostles, and the early church. I totally affirm this. All healing has its ultimate source in God. So we should all bring all of our needs for healing to God. That's the source of our healing. He's the, the great physician, right? And he might work 
to bring about that healing in a variety of different ways. We heard a story earlier today of someone who was in a need, right, all kinds of stress, and God worked to bring about that, a relief of that stress, not through instantaneous intervention, but actually tending to someone as the undoing happened, right? Like sometimes God works in the process that's already at hand. Sometimes you pray for peace and like, we had this maybe about a month ago at prayer meeting, someone came and and said uh, to our evening prayer and they said, I'm just really, really stressed and anxious. And we prayed for them. And in that moment they said, I think my prayer was answered. Like I already feel the abounding peace of God, right? Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it's it's, uh, through a process, but God is where all of our healing comes from. When it comes to healing prayer, the question isn't really whether or not we should pray for healing, but rather it's one of discernment, right? And that's what we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of different stories from Scripture to say today and see what we can glean about healing and prayer for healing, as well as our own expectations for what healing can look like from God. If you brought your Bibles along, you can join with me by turning to Mark chapter 8. That's where our first healing story is found. I'll give you a moment to get there. That's Mark chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 22. I'm going to pull it up in mine here. I've got a nice little marker, though, so I'm real quick. We're going to start at verse 22. This is a Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida, and then later there's going to be a story that happens at Bethesda. They're different, but they sound really similar, so I might say the wrong word. (laughs) Forgive me if I do. Uh, So this is the story of Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. Um, This is Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 22. It says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So a couple of strange things happen in this story. Uh, And I think with each of them, there's a lesson for us. The first is that Jesus spits on the man's eyes. That's just a little bit strange, right? If if you came up to me, you came to me once, you know, after church on a Sunday, you're like, hey, I've having this difficulty. I really need healing. Jeff, would you pray for me? And I go, into my hand, all right, let's go. <laughs> You'd be going, what in the world is happening, <laughs> right? Um, this is what Jesus does, and it's actually not the only time that Jesus uses his spit as a prop uh, in this healing process. Strange, right? He heals a deaf man in, in Mark chapter 7 using saliva, and spits on his fingers and puts them in his ears, I think. It's weird. Um, And then in John chapter 9, he spits on the ground to make mud and then puts that on a guy's eyes to heal him. (laughs) In other stories, Jesus just speaks and a person is healed. So why the props? And why such a strange one? I'm remembering now the Mark 7 one. He actually touches the man's tongue. So it's the guy's own spit. Touches the man's tongue and then puts it in his ears. That's the story. I, I don't know. I just like, I feel like when I read the Bible and I, these, I, I like filter those stories out. So I'm like, that's weird. And it's just gone. But Jesus does this. He, he uses his saliva. Why? Why 
does he feel the need to do that, right? In other stories, Jesus just speaks and a person is healed. Sometimes he doesn't even need to see them, right? He just says, yeah, go home, they're healed. So why in this situation does Jesus decide he's going to spit and then touch the guy's eyes? Like, I don't get it, right? Well, if we dig into other writings from this Greco-Roman era, from the culture, what you will find is that there is a lot of talk about the healing properties of saliva. This is like a big deal back then. People of the day believed that saliva was the remedy to a lot of things. So what was Jesus doing? He was using the systems that were in place at the time to bring about healing. He was working within the framework, the model that these people would have known and thought of and understood. And I'm sure to that, that to those who were receiving the healing, who were being healed, it was like a signal to them like, oh, it's coming. Now I know this is, this is how healing happens and Jesus is going to do it for me. He's going to walk me through the thing that brings about healing. It also showed God working through the imperfect means of his day to bring about his purpose. And it reminds me a lot when I twist my brain a little bit. We'll often pray for medical professionals in our prayer for healing of people, right? Like that's the system. That's the structure that we know, that we're familiar with. That's, that's how we think it works. And God works through that. Jesus did that in this day, in this age, in this time. I think this is like, to me, this gives me permission. This helps me to feel like, oh, it's okay. When we feel called to pray in that way, when we feel like that's what God is inviting us into, like God does work through these systems and structures. Good news for all of the medical professionals in the room. Like you are a part of God's healing work, right? I always say like my sister works in um, cancer research. She does clinical trials of new chemo drugs. And I'm like, you are a part of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing to redeem all of creation. In your work, you are bringing about healing, right? Like, God is working through all of these avenues to bring about his purpose. Sometimes it's a miraculous, instantaneous intervention. Sometimes it looks different. Both of them are good and beautiful, and to bring it back to the statement from a denomination, God is the source of all healing. Amen? So I think that this story, with the spitting in the eyes, though it's weird, actually affirms the validity of this way of praying for healing. God sometimes chooses to work in that way, and it is no less an answer to prayer when he does so. There's something else strange that happens in the story. Jesus puts spit on the man's eyes and then says, do you see anything? And the man responds, kind of, right? Like he says, I see people and they look like they're walking around, like, like they, they look like they're trees walking around, right? And then in response to this, Jesus lays his hands on the man again to bring him to a fullness of healing. Let's just take a step back for a moment, right? He's Jesus. Can't he just do it all in one go, <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes even, we said this, he even healed people without seeing them. Or people were healed just by touching him. Even the apostles, right? In the book of Acts, there's stories of like people who just have the shadow of Peter fall upon them and they're healed by his shadow passing over them. And then in this story, Jesus has to touch the man twice. He has to pray twice for healing. So this, the whole situation, 
where Jesus asked if it worked, and, and it only kind of worked, has to leave us scratching our heads a little bit, right? But for some reason that is unknown to us, this is what happens. And I'm, I'm really actually encouraged by that, to be honest. I don't know about you. But it reminds me of a truth about all kinds of asking prayer, but specifically in healing prayer. Sometimes we will need to ask more than once. Sometimes we will need to pray more than once. Even Jesus had to take a couple of runs at praying for healing for this man. It seems reasonable to me that sometimes we will pray for healing and need to come back and pray for it again and again. And when this happens, that's okay. You haven't done anything wrong. There was simply an invitation to more prayer. I could preach a whole sermon on this passage, but I want us to keep trucking forwards. The big points here were that one, that God often works through the means that we are familiar with to bring about healing. And this is good and beautiful. And that sometimes we will need to pray more than once to see an outcome. Next, we're going to turn to a story of healing and a um, which is found in, let me double check, I wrote John chapter 5, but I originally had a different passage, and I want to make sure that's the right one. Yes, in John chapter 5. I'll let you turn with me, uh, if you'd like. This is a story of Jesus healing a man at Bethesda Pool. It starts at the beginning of John chapter 5. I'll give you a moment here. This might be a familiar story. So John 5, I'm going to start at the first verse of the chapter here. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been disabled for 38 years. When he saw him, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sit, the man replied. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And then after this, you probably, if you're familiar with the story, you'll know there's a big controversy that happens because it was the Sabbath. And people didn't think that Jesus should heal the man on the Sabbath. And people didn't think that the man should carry a mat around on the Sabbath. Both were bad. Um, so there's, again, two big things that I want us to look to in this passage or think about as we look at this story of healing. And the first is that if you just picture this, right? Like Jesus has come to this pool and it is a place where all kinds of people with all kinds of ailments come seeking healing, like desperate for healing. People are so in need of something to happen. And we look at the story and Jesus heals one person. And I can't help but think, what about everybody else? Like, there are stories in the Bible where it says they just kept bringing people to Jesus and he just kept healing for days on end, right? And yet here, he comes, he heals one person, and all of the others are left not healed. And if I'm honest with you, sometimes I get bothered, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of 
frustrated or I just don't understand why it is that he would pick this one and not that one or not that one or not that one. And I think part of the reason this is a hard topic for me in particular is because I am one of those people that didn't get healed, right? So, so for me, um, when I was in high school, I started to experience chronic pain and it never went away. It's been 14 years, all day, every day, I live with pain. And I have been to the doctors and I've sought healing in the conventional ways and I have prayed and people have prayed for me and I have so desired that God would heal me. And I've, I've prayed for people and seen other people experience healing and yet for me, it hasn't come. It still hasn't come. And so I read this story and I just, <laughs> I have a hard time, right? And I, and, and I expect that I'm not the only person who feels this way. I expect I'm not the only, actually I know that I'm not the only person who has desired healing, who's hoped for it, who's sought after it, and it just hasn't come. And I know that for me, for a lot of my life, and this is why this topic is so hard, for a lot of my life it was much easier for me to believe in a God who didn't really heal anymore than to believe in a God who could heal me and for some reason chose not to. This is the thing about the time and the place that we live though right now as Christians. So there's this language, this theological language. I'm gonna try to not go on a big theology rant, but we talk about we, the kingdom of God is, is a kingdom that is already here and also not yet here, right? Like the ministry of Jesus, he is walking around declaring the kingdom, and we see all of this fruit of this new heavenly kingdom, right? People are healed. People are set free. Like, there's beautiful, wonderful things happening, and yet we know that in that world, it was still, like, there was still sin. Like, it's not completed yet. Like, we got a taste of what's to come, but not the whole picture. There's a promise that someday we will be with Jesus, that there will be no more pain and no more tears. We've experienced some of the first fruit. It's tangible here in some ways, and yet it's also not fully here. There's still sin and brokenness in our lives that reflects that. And sometimes God chooses to intervene in miraculous ways and other ways through systems that, that we see around us, and other times it seems like not at all. I don't understand why this is. I don't think that God put me in pain because of some punitive reason to punish me. I don't think that's what God is like, though there was a time when I felt that way. But I do believe, so even though it's not to teach me a lesson, I do believe that if I am brave, even in the darkest and most painful parts of my story, God can bring about something beautiful, right? That's really the image of the crucifixion, the central image of our faith, is that God took the most heinous, ugly, terrible thing that people could dream up to torture people, right? And he took that and used that to bring about the most beautiful, wonderful thing that we could ever imagine, our salvation, right? So while I don't think God is necessarily the author of my suffering, I think this is the sinful world that we live in, in the area that we're in. I believe that even without removing it, he can bring about good. 
So that's one of the things that I notice in this story. Sometimes we will pray and ask for healing, and it won't come. That's a part of the time that we live in now. John Wimber, if, you, if you've watched Alpha, there's a, we've done Alpha at the church before. I know people have really appreciated it. They spend a whole week talking about healing. And one of the things that the guy they reference all the time says is he said, we used to pray for no one to be healed and no one was healed. Now we pray for lots of people to be healed and some people are healed. And I've come around on that, thankfully, from my jadedness of, well, God maybe just doesn't heal because he didn't heal me, to seeing it in the lives of others, to being a participant in it in the lives of others, and to believing, no, this is a part of what we do as Christians. This is actually a part of our heritage as Christians. We serve a God who can heal and who does heal. Sometimes we don't understand why certain things don't go the way we think they should, but this is where faith comes into the mix. We believe through the hardship that he is good. The second thing in the story that stands out to me, I don't know, there might be other things that stand out to you, um, but it's this question that Jesus asks the man before he heals him. He says, do you want to be well? I was reading a sermon from another pastor on, that, this, on this passage this week, and she wrote, um, she titled her sermon, do you want to be well and other things I wish Jesus never said, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Um, but I've, I've always found it to be a bit like almost offensive, right? Like here's this person in hurt. And, and again, I was writing my own story over it. Like if Jesus came to me and said, well, do you want to be well? I say, of course I want to be well. I've prayed for a while. I've prayed to be well. I've, I've desired to be well. I've sought out being well. Why am I, why are you asking that? Just heal me, right? And, and I think of the response of the man, the paralytic man, right? He's sitting at the, he doesn't even answer Jesus. He doesn't even say yes. He just says, I've been here for 38 years, right? <laughs> he doesn't say, yes, yes, I do want you. What do you mean do I want to be well, Right? And it, it sounds to me, on my first reading, it sounds almost painfully harsh. But I think I started to understand more clearly a few years ago why the question was actually really important. Um, a number of years ago, a friend of mine that I'd gone to my undergrad with, he went off to med school, I went off to seminary, and, uh, and then he was working in a pain clinic and he messaged me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm in this pain clinic, and there's this new treatment for people who are experiencing chronic pain like you, and I'm seeing amazing results. You should definitely, like, get into your doctor. I know because, like, we'd been through 10 years of trying to figure it out. All right, we've checked everything is what it is, right? So, okay, there's a new option. He messaged me, and, uh, and I read his message, and I just cried. <laughs> just like, I don't know if I can hope again, right? Like, Really, do I want to get my hopes up that perhaps there is another opportunity and then have it all dashed again, to be afflicted by hope in that way? And I, there was a big part of me that just wanted to pretend it never happened and not seek, not seek it out, not go and try, and just continue on the way that I was because I'd figured out how to live and be healthy and do the things that I needed to do and be generally pleased with my life in the way that I was, Right? I eventually did. I, go, I went and I tried, thankfully, for people in my life who encouraged me to go and to do that. And it wasn't the right fit for me, unfortunately. But 
I realized that in the midst of being like, why am I resistant to this? Why am I, I don't know if I want to be well. Um, was the fact that this experience has changed me. Like I am a different person than I was in high school, obviously, but because of living with pain. Like it helped me to, to realize that to be healed is to have your whole life turned on his head. Almost as much as getting an illness is having your whole life turned on its head in the first place. Like finally you've learned how to live this way, now change everything again. And it makes sense that Jesus would ask this man for consent before healing him. This man had a long and difficult road ahead of him. He probably didn't have any skills, right? He's going to need to go find a job. What is he going to do? He's going to need to leave behind the place that has been his home for almost 40 years. Sure, he's able to pick up his mat and walk, but where in the world does he even walk, right? This is where he's lived. Everything is going to be changed for him. So, of course, Jesus has to ask, do you want to be well? The second thing that I learned was that while I wouldn't have wished on my worst enemy the experience that I've had, there were actually in that experience of saying, why am I resistant to this? Why am I afraid? That there were actually things that I have gained from living with pain that I was very afraid to lose. God brought has brought some really beautiful things out of my suffering. And it doesn't somehow make the suffering good. But I know, I know with certainty that I am infinitely more compassionate and understanding than I would have ever been had I not lived through that. I know, I know that I am a better pastor overall for having journeyed through hardship. Maybe I wouldn't be a pastor at all if my pain hadn't driven me to like lovingly towards the people around me and taught me to rely on Jesus. So, I'm reminded of something very important here. Well, hmm. let me go back. Two things, right? Two things from the story of Bethesda Pool. One, not everyone was healed. And two, Jesus asked if he wanted to be well, right? We have a choice to some extent. <laughs> uh, we at least have a choice to refuse. We don't always have a choice to receive. We at least have a choice to refuse. And the thing that sits with me is that while not everyone at Bethesda pool on that day was healed, someone was, right? Someone's life was entirely transformed by the miraculous work of Jesus, and it happens over and over again in the Gospels. And so I'm with John Wimber, right? We, we used to pray for no one, and no one got healed, and now we pray for a lot of people, and some people get healed. This has become my conviction. And even though it might sometimes be easier to not open our hearts to hope, it is truly good for us to come expectantly and to hope for the good things that God can do here in response to the faithful prayers of his people. Amen? And this is where uh, my discomfort gets to be shared with all of you again. <laughs> because every week in this series, 
I have said that prayer is something that is better understood in the doing than in the thinking and talking about. And I think I have exhausted about all of my bravery uh, for the day. But perhaps someone, perhaps God is stirring in the heart of one of you. And uh, I'm, I feel so uncomfortable asking this, but is there someone who would like us to pray for them for healing today? Because again, it's in the doing, right? Is there, is there someone who would be willing, would one of you be willing to let your church lay hands on you and pray for you that you would be healed? All healing ultimately comes from God, but I know that I am willing to petition him on your behalf today. I think your church is willing to petition him on your behalf today. So that's the ask. Maybe there's no one. Maybe we will pray for the needs of those who aren't here. I don't know. But we've been practicing our prayers. So let's practice this one as well today. That's, the, that's what I felt challenged to do. All right. I'm going to give it a second. Yeah, would you come up? And we're going to come up and surround you. I'm going to ask you next week <laughs> how you're feeling. <laughs> yes, we'll have a full report. Um, but here's the truth. Like, we do believe that God brings healing. Amen? Right? When we come together, it's so, in I, I'm so uncomfortable <laughs> asking to do that. And I know that, it, and it's because of stories like I have a friend who went to a healing service as a young boy. And he was anaphylactic to peanuts. And the, the man prayed over him and said, you're healed. And he went to school the next day. And he ate peanuts in front of his friends and said, Jesus healed me. And he had an anaphylactic attack and had to go to the hospital and EpiPen and everything. Like, my, this actually happened to my friend. And it shook his faith as a young boy, right? And so it's scary to come and to ask. I, I know, it's really funny. <laughs> but, but that happened, right? Um, and, and, and it's scary to come and to ask and to not know whether, whether God is going to intervene or not, but we should. And so this was a stretching time for me to ask. I hope that you feel stretched and challenged as well to ask. I'm really comfortable praying for someone in a hospital room. I'm really comfortable praying for someone in my office. If you come and you meet with me and you need healing, no problem. Up in front of everybody, that's scary. But I'm grateful that you came with me, and I hope I hope that you are emboldened to ask God to bring healing in your life. Now, here's the thing. We talk a lot about physical healing, but this is not just a physical thing, right? Some of the deepest healing that I have felt as people have prayed over me has been spiritual healing. Healing from hurts and hardships, healing that allowed me to forgive things that I don't think I would have been able to forgive on my own. We come to God as the healer and all healing comes from him. Amen? Okay. We're going to respond uh, today by singing Blessed Assurance, remembering that assurance that we have, that Jesus is our Lord. Whether we are on the other side of that story, we've experienced healing, or we are still in the waiting, he is our Lord. Amen? All right. Let's stand and, and respond. Well, church, do you want to be well? <laughs> because if we do, it is through our Lord and Savior. So let's come to him with our difficulties, with our ailments, with our brokenness, and hope. Hope that he can bring 
change. Amen? Go in the blessing of God. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.